Welcome. This is the Smarter World podcast, focusing on the issues and technology behind today's connected world. I'm your guest host, Jonathan Collins, Research Director for Smart Home and Smart Health Coverage at ABI Research. So we at ABI Research have been helping a range of players examine the far-ranging potential of edge computing and how it can drive growth and the value and appeal of smart home. That's why I'm very happy to host this particular episode, where we'll be discussing expanding edge capabilities and how, combined with wireless connectivity, interoperability and integration, it will drive the next wave of smart home innovation. Now, the potential for edge computing in the smart home will be driven by a number of factors. These will range across emerging consumer needs and wider smart home market functionality and potential. But realizing intelligent edge computing in the smart home will also demand support from a range of technology suppliers across hardware and software and from device manufacturers to system providers. Today, we're talking with NXP and Belkin to explore their different perspectives on the potential for edge in the smart home. From NXP, I'm joined by Tom Pennell, Senior Marketing Director for Wireless. And from Belkin, we have Carl Jonsson, Senior Director of Product Management for the Smart Home. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. So before we dive into today's topic, perhaps Tom and Carl, you can tell us a bit about your role and how you view the expansion of the edge. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and start. Uh, my role is to manage our products for edge processing. So that includes wireless and um, processors. How I define the edge is um, these are devices that either sense something or they're small actuators or they're control devices that allow a human to interact with a larger machine or interface to the cloud. To make that a little more tangible, a temperature sensor that would run uh, for five years that sits in my refrigerator is an example of a simple edge product but a rechargeable smartwatch like my Garmin Phoenix is an edge product that's a little bit more complex. And then lastly, something like a thermostat or an alarm panel that um, has a richer HMI would also be an example of an edge product. On the milking side, I manage our smart home division, including a Wemo brand, which has been alive for the last 12 years. And, and we've gone through several transitions in the smart home space. For us, an edge device, can mean several things. For us, it, it simply means that something is processed inside your home and something is managed and all the data and connectivity is, is done inside your home, meaning that um, everything will still work in your smart home when the internet is down. So in other words, the edge can both mean something that's processed on an end device, like interacting with voice control directly on a device versus going to a cloud for translation. But more importantly for us is that it can be when the logic is managed inside the home, even if that's on a kind of a master home device, that, that's how we define the edge. Right. You raise an interesting point, and that's around smart home having different topologies. So you might have a gateway or you might have devices talking directly to the cloud. Are we talking about different edge processes for those two different classes of devices? From our perspective, when we talk about the edge, and even though there are translations involved, uh, that can still be an edge device, but preferably we want to make sure that the technology can speak freely with each other, not just that they speak the same language, uh, but also that the networking protocol allows secure end-to-end connection. Yeah, Carl touched on the um, networking and, and wireless aspects. I'd want I want to dig a little deeper into some of the other technologies that allow for some of the decision making that Carl alluded to earlier. You know, firstly, if we look at the edge of the edge, so the very edge, 
you have low power requirements and these generally run on batteries. And so low power battery management um, is very difficult. You have to have the right mix of hardware and peripherals, an excellent MPU and MCU to manage or to do this processing. But the hardware is only one part. We have to provide software to make it easy for a device maker to optimize their products for that end application. I mean, uh, Jonathan, you're asking, do we have a range of products? I mean, the answer to that's yes, because, you know, in the simplest form, like I talked about earlier, you have the sensor. And then uh, at the more complex form, you have something like a uh, watch or a, a thermostat or an alarm panel. These are a wide range of processors and have a lot of different capability needs from both the hardware and software perspective. So these technologies are very, very wide ranging. So if we drill down on some examples, what's Belkin delivering that involves edge computing and edge processing? We recently launched our first product we consider a native integration where we basically don't need our own app or onboarding device. You can onboard it with an NFC that's built into the device then automatically connects you with, in the first case, Apple HomeKit, which is the first ecosystem to allow that option of fully native integration. And then everything is basically managed through the Apple Home device, which can be an Apple TV or an Apple HomePod. So that's our first attempt to enter the, the native integration market where our app and cloud is not needed anymore. And this is a much more seamless onboarding experience for the customer where you don't need to download an app, sign up for an account, find what network you want the device to connect to, enter the password for the network. All of that stuff is now fully seamless. From the network selection in that device, automatically detect if you have a thread border router, which we're going to talk, talk more about in a moment. But a thread border router is kind of basically like um, a, a low-power access point similarly to Wi-Fi access points. So it's, it's not really a gateway that translates anything. It's more like the edge border router to get the device connected to your network. If you don't have a thread border router, which currently uh, is supported by HomePod Mini and, and, and the latest Apple TV, then we will fall back to Bluetooth. So even that is fully managed. But from an edge functionality point of view, that device is an end peripheral which only broadcasts a button press, in this case, this Wemo Stage product is a stateless button controller that fits in your Decora with your Decora faceplate, so it can be put next to, to regular switches. But what it does, it's just broadcasts a signal when the user presses the button, and uh, then the edge processing happens on the, the Apple home device. So this is HomeKit right now, uh, but in the future, we believe uh, with the Matter protocol, which is on the application layer, we'll be able to connect to more the devices, including the Google ecosystem, which is very popular, Amazon Alexa, smart things. But the key here is that the processing of the signal and knowing what to do when you press the button happens on a home device that's inside your home, doesn't have to travel to the cloud to figure out what's connected. That's real application. A little bit more advanced example of that for us is like camera products. We have launched camera products in the past and, and we're looking at other camera products in the future with edge processing where the Apple home device can today do artificial intelligence on the edge inside your home to detect whether it's a, a car, animal, or a person. So all of that is now processed on the edge, so there's no need to be streaming several uh, video streams to the cloud to have advanced processing. The processors are now so so powerful and capable, you can now do this locally on the edge. So Carl, you mentioned the advantages 
to the consumer. But what are the benefits to Belkin in these devices? Is it is it just in appealing to the consumer or are there advantages beyond that to Belkin itself? For us, the user experience is key. With 12 years history of devices with several generations of modern products that you have to maintain and update firmwares and keep all customers happy, both the ones that bought your products many years ago and that are ones that are buying them today, is becoming an increasingly difficult challenge. It's getting nearly impossible to have a, a new perfect experience for everyone with these mixed systems. So for us, the clear benefit is it takes that burden away where it basically streamlines both the connectivity part, avoiding all these translations and APIs with different ecosystems, and taking that burden from the user from having to have sign up for a dedicated account. There's a lot of concerns about privacy and having the data stored somewhere. And, and now users don't have to worry about that. So the benefit for our users which benefits us because we can focus on making quality products that do what we're best at and not having to worry about those things that bring us a little value. So Tom, Carl mentioned the great increase in processing capabilities required by these devices. What's NXP doing to deliver and support those requirements? Yeah, when I was listening to Carl, he was talking about a really wide range of technologies from NFC for onboarding to a stateless controller that runs on a battery, to a video application or photo application that relies on AI and ML. And I think that really demonstrates the the challenge for a company like NXP to deliver this range of processing, because you can imagine there's there's quite a bit of um, different cost points along that continuum, as well as different performance points across that continuum. But to put it simply, you know, we deliver um, hardware, software, and system solutions to our customers to make it easy for them to to make or easier to make these products. Um, We make a massive investment in process innovations with our fab partners that is really at the the atomic level or the core of how we deliver exceptional hardware. These atoms need to be put together in a way that creates a hardware platform that allows a customer to scale their platform across a wide range of um, products. So when I'm talking about scale, I'm meaning moving from something simple to something more complex and having it be incremental, as much as incremental as we possibly can so that they can reuse technologies across their portfolio that happens in the software where we try to take a holistic approach to delivering software. That means when a customer does something simple and a customer does something more complex, that this software is reusable across that platform. This is really what we a concept that we call edge fast, which really is a promise of the scalability or interoperability across our hardware portfolio. And then lastly, we pull it all together in a system solution, which in its simplest form is really just an example application on our EVK. But we also make some specific hardware software instances that more closely approximate end customer applications. So, you know, you can see we're putting together a combination of hardware inside an IC that runs the software, that then puts it together on a board that really tries to accelerate a customer's time to market. So we've heard about a range of devices in the smart home that can support Edge and the range of applications that can be driven through Edge computing. 
We've also heard about wireless connectivity and a single way of addressing these devices. That's becoming increasingly important. So how do you see the role of wireless connectivity as it interacts with greater use of edge processing? For wireless, it really needs to be frictionless. So when you add wireless to a product, it has its pluses and minuses. I mean, from a consumer point of view, it's easy to install because there's no wires to run through their house. From my point of view, it's a little bit more complicated to deliver because it makes the end product a little bit more complex. You know, there's now a stack that you have to integrate. There's uh, a hardware and RF design. There's link budgets that you have to worry about. Most people will want a wireless device because it's more convenient. Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, if I can go kind of a further up uh, to talk about you know, protocols, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth are currently ubiquitous. Um, they're in everybody's home uh, today, but they have drawbacks. You know, Wi-Fi is expensive to implement. There's more components that a customer needs to use on their board. Um, when I say a customer, a customer uh, like a system integrator or, or an end product manufacturer, they have to use more components. Um, the devices are a little bit more expensive. They're also more power hungry. BLE, on the other hand, is more simple, but it doesn't have the robustness. And when I say robustness, I'm talking about the reliability, the link budget, the distance uh, that you can connect in a home. So it has its drawbacks. That's why things like sub gigahertz and 15.4 have really emerged in this marketplace because they have a more robust user experience. These are generally less expensive. You know, that's why they have a place in the market. So I, I think, you know, these, as if we can focus on the smart home, it's really 15.4 technologies that, in my opinion, are going to win in a lot of these end sensor applications. And then, of course, Wi-Fi, I think, is still going to be a, have a huge place in, in the smart home. Yeah, well said, Tom, and I can add to that. From our perspective, we've been choosing Wi-Fi on the Wemo side for uh, almost from the beginning, and that's for the reason of, of simplicity. But like you said, Wi-Fi has to more backs, uh, like cost and other. It's also also time and latency is a huge factor in smart home. As an example, if you're streaming a Netflix movie and it's buffering two seconds and, and it starts two seconds later, you're fine with that as long as your audio is synced with your picture. And you won't even notice that as a user. But if your light bulb turns on two seconds after you click the button on the wall, that's not a great experience. So there's different keys between these different protocols. So SubGigars, as mentioned, has been um, low power as key, but also meshing has been easier to bring range and extension to the network. Latency has been great. But here, more recently, the biggest problem I see with low power and 15.4 has been the translation aspect, which brings both additional latency, but also expandability on application layer. Because if you add a new feature, you have to make sure that that feature is supported both on the API on the, the low power side and the API that on the gateway side when you talk to the gateway. So you always have to be upgrading the firmware of a, a gateway or a bridge. That's great, Carl. You alluded to the long history of wireless in the smart home, and it's certainly been a battleground for competing approaches. Tom, you've outlined the drawbacks and benefits of some of those specific offerings we've seen, like ZigBee or Z-Wave, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, and other long-term proprietary offerings. Now, we've talked about the value of IP all the way to the device. What's changed now and what's giving it greater momentum? I think the key change that I see is that the industry has come together. 
we have now have the leaders in the smart home ecosystem space, being Apple, uh, Amazon, and Google in, in the U.S., coming together and join forces on making it happen. I think that's the biggest change I see. Yeah, I think uh, you know, when we're alluding to Matter, the new uh, Project Chip. So Matter is the new name for Project Chip. We alluded to interoperability, and that's really what we're kind of dancing around here. And Matter guarantees that interoperability. Matter is running on OpenThread, which is uh, a 15.4 radio. As importantly, it defines an application layer that enables Thread to interoperate with other Thread devices, but also for it to interoperate with Wi-Fi devices. And Carl talked about, you know, not having this translation layer. I mean, that's a key point of Thread. This is, you know, all IP based. So without having to deconstruct the packet and reform the packet, you can now have a protocol that, that just works. So it's more secure. It's more reliable and it's all being brought together by industry leaders. That, that Carl alluded to earlier, um, the CSA, which is formerly the Zigbee Alliance, is really driving this new initiative around matter. And it's really based on what had been done in the past. It's being built upon the Zigbee cluster libraries, which are really product definitions of the various things that we may use in our daily life. So that provided a really great starting point for matter. And it's just going to evolve from there. And I think what's changed here, we've seen in the industry different initiatives to bring this all together, but it's never before been driven so hard by so many players. And, you know, this is where I, what I think is different now. Matter is really uh, taking hold because there's such a commitment by, you know, Google, Amazon, and uh, Apple. And then also device makers, product makers like us, and then folks like Belkin driving this. This is the difference now. Added to that, maybe one more thing that also I've seen more from a technical point of view is that memory size is when the devices have increased, which has been a, a traditional challenge in bringing IP to these low-powered devices as the stack grows and security become more dominant. The memory size has increased and the price has dropped or stayed the same for the larger memory sizes, which, which has been a key enabler. This is a challenge because you know memory is an expensive thing to add to a device uh, and the memory has as you've alluded to, Carl, has grown a lot um, relative to where it has been in the past. And this is a challenge. So I think delivering more memory, both flash and SRAM is a challenge. And also wireless, you know, adding wireless to a product increases the cost. But I think as wireless becomes more ubiquitous, as we move to advanced nodes, you know, these are going to resolve themselves over time where the incremental cost of adding wireless, even with the increase in memory, is going to be accessible for even the most simple products. So I think this is the exciting part about where we are right now in this evolution. Um, from my perspective, is we, we're now able to deliver a lot of capability at a really nice cost point that's really accessible for a lot of products. So Carl, when you look at matter certification, What's the impact on a smart home device manufacturer like Belkin? 
I think very similar to mentioned before, not having to deal with translations, the same goes for APIs between ecosystems. Like we don't have to make dedicated skills for supporting Alexa, uh, as an example, or integrating a dedicated API still to support any, any third party ecosystem. It doesn't mean that I often get asked, like, does that mean like the HomeKit API and the, the Google Home uh, will, will go away? I don't believe so. I think they will still exist. The, the matter will be supported as the common language, but there will always be a richer set of features that are supported as a competitive factor with the native language of the different ecosystems. In an analogy similar to our spoken languages, matter becomes like speaking English. My native language is Icelandic. I prefer to speak Icelandic if I meet an Icelandic person. That's just how we can communicate together, but we have a richer set if we, we communicate directly. So you know that if you buy a product and store it, it's going to work with your ecosystem no matter what ecosystem you have at home. Right. So obviously there's a lot of value in the collection of smart home data. With Matter removing a lot of that uh, interaction between the device manufacturer and the um, smart home consumer, you know, setting up an app on the phone and, and creating their own login, do you lose any value in that customer connection? I don't think so. I get this question a lot. People are saying, aren't you afraid that you're going to lose the connection with the customer and not being able to offer services and so on? I don't think that's the case. And the reason is that it's a matter of not being afraid of technology evolution. Just drive forward. This is where things are going, whether whether we like it or not. And we should not fight it. We should embrace it and then compete on the services we add on top of these ecosystems. None of the ecosystems are going to be closed doors. I think with user consent, we can ask them to get access to their home data. And then you get basically not just the developing devices. It could be all the devices you home have in your home network to offer a certain service. So I think that's where things are going. Absolutely. And, and that reflects the way that we look at smart home uh, ABO research. We have a concept of the transformational smart home. And that's really where the smart home becomes the foundation for a whole range of other applications that just sit atop of those smart home capabilities. So, Tom, the foundation uh, is really dependent upon the establishment of industry standards. How important is NXP's role in their development and how do you see those standards developing? Industry standards are foundational to what we do, um, particularly in the wireless uh, space. We focus on industry standards such as OpenThread, Wi-Fi, BLE, Zigbee, NFC. And in fact, we drive many of these industry standards. Let's talk, you know, UWB, for example, NFC are two key examples where NXP has driven. And of course, more recently, Wi-Fi is an area that we're driving and leading. NXP and Freescale before that were both you know, founding members uh, in the 15.4. So we've got a rich history of really driving these standards. And this is kind of something that we focus on. I believe that these standards are at the foundation of what it's going to require to really make the smart home great. We can't kind of have these niche things uh, around, you know, kind of proprietary hardware and software because it's not scalable for many manufacturers to do that. And so the CSA is bringing a lot together, as I mentioned before, and these standards are critical uh, for us at NXP. So as the standards evolve and the technologies enable edge processing um, develop and becomes increasingly adopted, where do you see the edge and how does that evolve over time? 
What are the new technologies and devices that will be supported? From my perspective, Edge is going to evolve. Open source is a key thing for us in the evolution. I think that's an area that is really a differentiator when we talk about matter that's fully open source. And you know what that's doing is it's making it possible for device manufacturers like Belkin to have you know lots of options and that generally creates competition in the market and it actually drives innovation rather than creating obstacles to customers switching vendors or even developing the product so i see open source as a an equalizer and it really is a way of opening up the markets and i think that's a kind of a key evolution. We can go a little further in the way of AI and ML, which I think is a key thing for NXP. And again, you see things like open source really driving in that area as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the, the value that chip vendors should focus on is not having the best threat stack out there. It's the open threat that's focused on having a better threat stack than on the vendors. We, we'd rather as a device manufacturer have the same stuff across the board. What brings value to us is the integration of these technology into a solution that's quick to bring to market. I think, Carl, from also from my point of view, the really key thing is we've spent a lot of time in the past on interoperability between stacks and interoperability between one vendor stack and another vendor stack. And that is not productive. I think having this common stack really allows both of us to focus on the end product, which is the most important thing for our mutual customers. Yep, I agree. And in terms of where smart home is going and the edge, I would say now that we can focus on moving forward and we don't have to worry about this interoperability and, and connectivity issues. We can now focus on the future. That's the key, similar to the self-driving car. We need the self-driving home. That's going to be the interesting era ahead where companies can differentiate. So it's clearly an exciting time for smart home, but let's take a little detour. How are you both using smart home products in your daily lives? What's the applications and the devices that you use the most? I think I'm a little bit more advanced than say most of my neighbors and friends in this regard. You know, we have a full complement of lights, switches, plugs, shades, and security. This is all connected. But ultimately I have to balance my desire to automate things with my wife's desire for me to automate things. You know, it can get frustrating for my wife because um, her voice isn't always recognized by our voice recognition product. And HMI can also be a little bit confusing for people if they're not using the product a lot. So for us, um, our only limitation is ourselves in terms of you know what we're able to accept and you know ultimately cost as well. You know, it shouldn't cost me several hundred dollars more to add wireless to my uh, motorized shade. So I'm excited about helping drive the full cost of the ownership of these products down into something that everyone can afford. Yeah, I completely echo the, the wife factor. I think everybody has the same. My wife doesn't like to use voice controls at all. And actually, it was my wife that inspired me to put the Wemo Stage product on the roadmap. She, she's saying, I just want a single button to, to press when I go to bed and it just should turn off everything and close the shades. 
I don't want to try to have somebody understand what I'm saying. Often the simplicity is often overlooked. Personally, I have pretty much everything in my home connected. You can think about uh, several cameras. All my door locks are automated. My shades and my, my lighting. Uh, and I've gone through several generations. So I'm not the normal average user. Thanks for joining me in this discussion about smart homes, especially about the greater intelligence that edge processing brings and the greater simplicity of communications interoperability. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. This has been another episode of the Smarter World podcast with me, your guest host, Jonathan Collins. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Bye.